Hello, and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. This is Kevin Folger. We want to welcome you to uh, Labors in the Harvest podcast today. We are picking up a conversation that we started last week with my friend and uh, co-labor in the ministry, uh, Brother Alan Fong, Pastor Alan Fong of the Heritage Baptist Church of San Leandro, California. Uh, Pastor Fong, thanks for being back with us this week and being a part of Labors in the Harvest podcast. It's my honor, Brother Folger, and I thank the Lord for your ministry and all that God's doing through you. Well, it's it's uh, it's a pleasure. I feel like I'm a rich man because I have so many friends in the ministry and many sure. pastors as well as others. But um, one of the things I love to do is sit down and have a conversation with people. And some of it, obviously, like this, we're recording so that others can be a part of it. So we're going to pick up our conversation where we left off last week. You were sharing with us about your life and uh, the journey of ministry really you've been on. I'm going to back up a little bit if I can. And uh, you talked a little bit about your, your home uh, in which you were raised and your mother dying early in your life and the, your father sending you to uh, eighth grade to a, a Catholic school. So in your uh, home, the family you were raised, was, was there no uh, any type of religion at all? Was it a, just a, kind of a, not a religious home? It really wasn't a religious home. If you called a religion, uh, pretty much my dad's business and materialism were pretty much the religion of the home. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So there wasn't anything really to counteract other than just what you experienced in the, in the, in the Roman Catholic uh, school that you attended and then the, whatever religion that they, they would teach you. And then as this man came and shared Christ with you, pressing you with the things of the word of God, uh, I, I would have to think that even, you know, obviously God works in all of our lives prior to our salvation, but there were just things that were going on in your life that were somewhat unusual. I think so. I, I, I just think, uh, you know, I sometimes have thought about that, that I think just the Catholic upbringing, just the thought of God and knowing that, knowing that I, I did believe that in a God who was creator of all the earth, who was, who was infinite, eternal, and uh, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. I mean, I understood all that and believed that, but I just, I guess it didn't really become real until uh, I was the man was witnessing to me and showing me the verses of scripture and, uh, you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking uh, after that uh, last week, we talked a little bit and you shared with us about uh, the, the, uh, the really the beginning of Heritage Baptist Church. And and uh, I believe David Homer was the first pastor. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Church? Okay. Yes, sir. And Brother Homer had been a, 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 a missionary to was it China or Hong Kong? Yes, sir. Brother Brother Homer's upbringing was in Taiwan, Taiwan. OK. And then uh, he came back to the States. Um, God called him to the ministry. Uh, he trained down at Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College, 
And then uh, the Lord opened a door for him to go to Hong Kong. So he had spent his previous years before coming to start help us start Heritage. He had spent those years in Hong Kong uh, as a missionary. So when when you uh, originally got started, there was a core group of people that was looking for a, a man to lead you, and that's where you came in contact with Pastor Chapel, and he helped find help uh, get um, Brother Homer there. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So the, the group of people I'm talking about, there's probably about 20 of us that had uh, uh, over time, it just started meeting on uh, one or two times a week for prayer and asking God for direction, leadership. And um, I had met Brother Chapel at a conference. And at that time when I met Brother Chapel, my heart was really heavy. I was eating, drinking, you know, sleeping, thinking about, you know, are we going to ever get a church started here in the, in the Bay Area here? And um Brother Chapel had asked me to come down to see the college. It was in his infancy days. So I went down to see him and was at the construction of the second dormitory. Um, I think it was Malone Hall, where uh, it was just a shell of a building. We were on the second floor and he was just you know, casting vision and sharing with me just what God was doing there. And then Brother Chapel just kind of abruptly turned around uh, on that second floor as we were standing on the wood floor. And he turned around and asked me, do you know David Homer? And I knew the name. I just couldn't place it at that moment of time. Mm -hmm. He said, Brother Fong, I don't know how to tell you this, but God told me just right now, he pressed on my heart very heavily, you need to get in contact with David Homer. And uh, we had prayer there on the building. In fact, we both prayed. He said, well, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray. We want to pray for this church to start in the Bay Area. And uh, God did something, Brother Chapel's heart, knitting us together. That was really the first time we really just spent some quality time together. Mm -hmm. we'd, we'd seen each other at a conference, talked briefly. He'd asked me some questions. Mm -hmm. And so at that moment in time, you know, and I, now that I know Brother Chapel for many years, I, I could tell that God, when you know, God puts somebody in Brother Chapel's heart, it's just, you know, God's doing something there. Right. So um, I kept Brother Chapel in contact with the contact we made with Brother Homer. And uh, honestly, Brother Homer did not want to come. I mean, he just wasn't, wasn't planning. And we just persisted over several months. Finally, when he was come back for furlough, he said, I'll, I'll, my first leg of the journey, I'm going to stop see you we'll spend we'll spend a weekend together we'll see what the lord says and so um you know, i kind of gave him the cook's tour of the area i had him preach to the group of people uh went to church that sunday morning together at a, at a what about a church about 45 miles away it's a very thriving church and uh i think just a combination of things the lord spoke to his heart that he was going to come to help start the church mm -hmm. but he said at the front end he wasn't promising how long he'd stay because he said his heart was right. in the mission field and i said understand that Mm -hmm. And uh, I understood it, but I didn't understand it. But, um, you know, I didn't really understand a missionary's heart at that time. Sure. So that's what God did. I mean, God directly started the church. I mean, our every location we've been at, it's been a miracle of God. Uh, we started in downtown Oakland, very, very beautiful location, but the rent got out of control. Lady in our church introduced to a church that was uh, had dwindled down to almost nothing. They said they'd love to share space with us. And uh, uh, we had a very affordable rent. It was a very terrible location, to be real honest. It was kind of like going from a tight class A building to zero class building. And, um, you know, but we were able to save money. Uh, we still grew the church. People were getting saved. Um, you know, just it was a tough location. It just we were tough. And then the people there told us we had to leave. They gave us six months to leave. And mm. uh, honestly, Brother, Brother Folger, that was in 2000. And let me think for a minute. No, that was night. Uh, that was 2001. We had six months to leave. Now we're in November of 2001. We had to be out by December 31st. I had taken on the project. Literally, I called over 100 locations. I'm talking about schools, churches. I knew every property within four cities. 
that were within our proximity as to what was available. I mean, I'm, I'm even talking about dance halls, vacated buildings, everywhere I could, anything yeah. that we, and, and either we were too big or basically it was already reserved or they weren't interested. And even churches that were vacant, I mean, we tried everything. And so we're kind of at the end of ourselves. And uh, while I was making an appointment, I was on a business appointment, I was driving down a street called Doolittle Boulevard. And I saw a for lease sign. And I'd seen this sign many times. And just the Holy Spirit impressed me, called this number. And bear in mind, I wasn't called the pastor or anything like that. I was just a layman doing God's work, doing it for the pastor. And um, I just felt impressed the Lord to call that number. And so I pulled this out of the road and called the number and the real estate agent answered the phone. He started laughing. And I said, what's so funny? He said, you're funny. He says, you guys are looking for a church in the city of San Leandro. I said, don't you know San Leandro doesn't like churches? And he says, he said, I find it kind of comical that you called me. And I said, well, I'm, I don't want to sound rude, but sir, this is not funny. I said, our church has got six weeks to find location. And otherwise we're out in the street, man. I said, we got to find something now. He said, I don't, he says, you know what? I understand that. I didn't mean to be rude to you. He says, I ha- I'm going to give you a phone number. He said, once you call this man up, I know this man. Now, I just want to tell you that it's a church or large property. I don't know if they're looking for co-tenants or anything like that, but why don't you call them? I think they'd be interested. He gave me the number. I called a man who was a Korean Southern Baptist church. He gave me the address. I knew the address because it was right next door. It was a building that I was very familiar with. It's next to, to a building that at one time I had leased many years before. I had leased uh, space in the building next door. And I said, I know that building. And I said, uh, it used to be the welding training school here in San Leandro. The man invited us to come. I didn't, you know, I knew there was a church there, but I didn't realize all that they did. They basically took a welding training school, spent a lot of money to renovate it, so forth there. They bought the property. But the church basically, uh, the, the major part of the church went back to another part of the area where they started. They felt they, they needed to be back where they were, where their calling was. They went back to their old property. They left the Korean speaking contingent there, but they weren't able to support it. And so um, that led me to contacting the title holders of the property. The pastor of that church um, answered the phone and he said, Brother Fong, he says, uh, let me tell you something. He said, last night I was up to midnight, past midnight with my deacons praying about that property. He said, we have been paying between 8000 12000 I don't remember the number, between 8000 12000 a month on our mortgage payments. And we're not getting anywhere a fraction of that from the people that are there. He said, things are albatross around our neck. We've got to, we've got to do something with it. He said, I believe God led you to call me. He said, I'd like to meet with you, your pastor, and whoever else is your leadership team to come see us. So that's what he told me. I mean, this is... You know, we're at the end of ourselves, and I basically he said, "I want to meet with you." He said, I, "He actually asked me about our ministry." I told him what we're all about. I said, "Well, we're independent Baptists. I just want you to know that. I mean, you're Southern Baptist. I think you've been around enough to know the different independent Southern Baptists, so forth like that." And I said, "I don't want, want to. I don't want to sound like I'm snobbish to anything like that. So please don't take that in the wrong way." But I said, "We're independent. We're not under not, not under denominational rule, and so forth like that." And just told him we're so many church. What we're doing, our outreach, talking about the history of the church. We're two and a half years old, and what God had done. Is that pastor who wanted to meet us? So we met with him. And the day before Thanksgiving, we had a few of our men. Pastor Homer said, Go set the meeting up. I said, Yes, sir. So we set the meeting up and uh, we met with him down in Berkeley. And um, that day we signed lease papers huh. the day before Thanksgiving. It was a miracle, God, Brother Folger. Yeah. And uh, they gave us affordable rent, higher than what we were paying, but it was affordable rent. Right. We moved in January 1, 2002. Six months later, that pastor called us, sent us an email and called us and said, 
hey, I'm going to Chicago. My wife has, he told us the, you know, the uh, physical ailment she had. He said, I'm, I'm going to Chicago for the summer for my wife's health. He said, but I want to plant a seed. I want you guys to think about buying the property from us. And, you know, being Baptist and broke, we said, of course, we'd like to buy the property, right? <laughs> so um, we, uh, a 90-day close of escrow went to 180 days. They carried the, the assets, to, uh, they, they were selling the property for, I think, 2.4, 2.6 million. They said they'll help us. They would carry 1.4 million, I believe it is, as, as a second mortgage. They would be the mortgage holder, 5% simple interest for five years. Wow. Um, and then basically we had to figure a way to raise up the first the, the amount of money for the down payment and first mortgage. And uh, we did a bond program because we weren't eligible for any conventional programs. We didn't have money for down payment, things like that. But we were able to do a bond program, which is many preachers know bond programs. You're basically you, you become your own lender and right. you risk your own money if you do something like that. But that's all we could do. Mm-hmm. And God was faithful. We raised up the, the other one point two million dollars off of that. And uh, we were in the property as the owners in 2003. Wow. Well, About the beginning. Of, yeah, I was going to say yeah, God's yeah, done some wonderful the, things since then. That's for sure. Yes, sir. So then we get in 2004. That's when Brother Homer announced around March of that year to me over lunch that he was planning to transition out and he was going to make a trip to Taiwan. And he came back. He said, it's 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 a, it's a done deal. Lord spoke to my heart. I'm going to Taiwan. I'm going to uh, take over the legacy my father left behind, which is an uncompleted legacy. He said, I'm, uh, he says, I want you to get ready. I'm going to leave the church to call you as pastor. He said, they're still going to have to go through the process for integrity purposes. I said, whatever. He says, so there's a there's a remote chance they may not call you. He says, don't get your hopes up too high. I said, well, I'm just whatever God wants. And uh, July July 1st of 2004, uh, I became the interim pastor. November of 2004, they voted me in, and I became the the pastor of the church. You know, the the full time pastor at that time. Well, obviously, you uh, came uh, through it kind of a a different way, but God uh, has uh, was was in all of the workings of it. No question about that. So. As a, a man who had, has a business background, you bring a, a unique set of skills to the pastorate, but then there's the spiritual side. So what did you do to kind of help prepare yourself to, to pastor these people? You know, I think, Brother Folger, God prepared me. Um, I think, first of all, the, the pastor I was saved under many years before uh, was a very unusual man, but he trusted me with a lot of things I probably would not have trusted myself with. I mean, he had me teaching adult Bible class in my mid-20s. I mean, I I'll be honest with you, that first Sunday I taught adult Bible class. I said, what in the world am I doing in here? And I said, no, I don't belong in here. And I felt like crawling under the door and leaving there. But I said, I'm going to stay at it. So, you know, he, he stretched me on a lot of different things. So there was many facets of the ministry he exposed me to. But I but I, I think my my heart for pastoring started to grow as I uh, after I got under the influence of, of Dr. Chapel and several of the pastor friends like yourself. Uh, just pastor friends I've watched from a distance. I studied every pastor I knew, any new pastor I met. I studied every pastor from a distance. I took a lot of notes. Uh, Brother Chaplin invited me at Spiritual Leadership Conference to sit the senior pastor sessions when when back in the day it was a no-no. If you weren't a senior pastor, you should be there. But he said, you're my friend. Um, I'd like you to sit through it. I think it'll do you well. Uh, and I had no idea. He probably already knew at that time that God was going to call me. Sure. But I didn't. I didn't know that. And so um, but I mean, just things like that. I picked up different books. I read, I was a reader on a lot of things. So really, I think that the biggest thing, brother Folger, God prepared my heart and gave me a heart, a pastor's heart for people. And I think he took pastors like first Peter five and, uh, and worked great on my heart uh, about that. And, uh, and I have attributed a lot of it to my wife as well. She's a, she's an extremely, you know, great partner. She 
is great work with women and just compliments me just so many ways. And then, uh, you know, just has strengths I don't have that uh, works with, with people things. So I think God did a lot to prepare that. Uh, I was blessed, to be honest with you. You've been with my church, Brother, Ch- Brother Folger, but, you know, I, I'm blessed with some good people. We're just really, really good right. people that love God. And uh, so I think that, that that transition was good. But I think my, my real training, to be honest with you, my real training for everything was baptism by fire and the Holy Ghost. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you yeah. know the story. My wife got diagnosed with cancer just uh, a week after my, um, my ordination service, which Brother Chapel had helped lead. And uh, that, that really, I would really just say that was a whole new journey that we we're on. And uh, that's really where I would say that just uh, there are things you, you're not going to learn unless you go through a journey like that there, you know? Yeah, sir. Well, I want to, uh, we got about maybe another five minutes or so, and we're going to be wrapping up this particular segment, but uh, just a couple of questions, maybe you can answer somewhat succinctly. Um, when you think about California, and of course, uh, you know, many people would say, you know, California of all places in the United States, uh, other than maybe the East Coast, you know, it's liberal, it's left-leaning, it's politically and socially progressive, and, and yet you're, God has been enabled you to build a very thriving, dynamic, soul-winning church. So can you just speak to that for just a moment of, okay, if it can be done there, it can be done any place. So what do you see as the keys to the growth uh, of Heritage Baptist Church? Yes, I, I, first I would give all the glory to God. I think God, I think Charities Baptist Church is a testimonial that God built his church, you know, according to Matthew 16, 18. Sure. And um, it's not, you know, I won't say it's any one thing. And I just, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay it, but the, the Bay Area is a very, very difficult place to, to build a church, humanly speaking. Uh, there's just a lot of, uh, you could feel the satanic oppression in this area. Uh, you've got many different religious groups, the, the liberalism and the extreme left views out here. I mean, you think about some of our leaders in Congress are from my immediate area. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's from my area, Barbara Lee, Diane Feinstein. I mean, you know, uh, all these people, we could start dropping names everywhere. They all have their linkages here in the Bay Area. Uh, Gavin Newsom was from our area. Just So anyway, when you look at all that, this is a tough area. It's a very materialistic area. It's a very wealthy area. Uh, you know, the people are not much into relationship building, but it's also a very, very strongly multi-ethnic area. Mm-hmm. And I would say one of the things that has that we could attribute to our church is the multi-ethnic aspect of our area and just reaching people for Christ and, uh, you know, just people, uh, you know, I think just reaching that and just being sensitive to the language groups and uh, just plugging away. I think it's a combination of things. I think just, you know, when you look at it, just a lot of prayer, a lot of plugging away, uh, just staying at it, being faithful, what we're doing and, uh, you know, just trusting God for the results and, you know, taking one step forward, two steps back, and then two steps forward, one step back. I think all of those things contribute as a whole, but God has been building his church. I mean, God has supplied me the laborers I've needed. God's raised up converts along the way. And, uh, you know, we're just seeing God, you know, give us more wisdom as, as the years go by and just, you know, working more, more intelligently and uh, under the Spirit's guidance in terms of just trying to, you know, uh, make an impact for this area. So, again, you know, having been to your church, I know that it's, uh, you know, again, uh, very diverse. Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, lot of different ethnicities there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It really, in, in many respects, because a church really ought to make up the, the makeup of the area. In other words, it should not just be one particular uh, group or another because heaven's going to be multi-ethnic, Amen. you know, and I, I love that about your church that there's just such a, such a diversity there. So on to another question, what would you advise a young man who saved uh, a member of a church who 
maybe is working in the business world, what would you say to them? Because obviously, as uh, someone who was very instrumental in the establishment of Heritage Baptist Church and then helping your pastor, what would you say to someone like that about their involvement in their church if they're listening to this podcast? That is a great question. I would encourage every young man, I would encourage everyone in business, uh, first, to have a walk with God. Secondly, to be their pastor's best friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I read the biography of Russell Anderson many, many years. He wrote that book about, you know, things that made our can't, uh, can't afford back in the 60s. I read that book and that touched my heart about just his relationship to his pastor and so forth there. And I just decided in my heart that, you know, I could adopt, adopt that same philosophy. And, uh, you know, I would encourage every, every young man to be the pastor's best friend. And you're not trying to win your pastor, but you want to be there. I remember many times as a young man. I would stay late at church until my pastor was gone. And he'd say, what are you doing here? Every week he'd ask, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I stayed behind to wait till you were done with meetings to see what can I pray for you about, what's your week looking like, anything I can do for you. And he was very appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. And I would just encourage every man, I think that's something they should do. It needs to come from your heart. Uh, you need to just decide you're going to hold up your pastor's hands. You're going to be an Aaron Her, And uh, you're going to be one of the mighty men that will surround the, you know, surround the, the pulpit area of the preacher. And, uh, you know, I, I just could tell you that I think a lot of the, the blessings of God that I've had in my life, and I think God's calling to the ministry, I attribute to getting a heart. I got a heart for the pastor, which gave me a heart for the pastorate. And I think, uh, you know, I would just encourage every young man, you may not be called to pastor, but you sure can be called to hold up the pastor's hands. Sure. Well, I know that uh, Pastor Chapel has a real burden for California. And I know that, you know, uh, again, at this point, uh, there's been perhaps more people leaving California than moving to California because of some of the things that are going on out there. But there's still a great need for church planters. Is that correct? There is. I would just say this. If, if someone's going to come to this, at least my part, they have to come with a missionary mindset. They need right. to come realizing uh, you're going to sit where they sit and you've got to decide you're going to be you're, you're even going to make the sacrifice and learning another language. If you're going to have a long term impact, you start coming out here as a pioneer to do something. You should learn. You should learn the language of the area and be ready to, to meet it and uh, to realize that, you know, you can build a work without compromise and without becoming like the culture. You have to rise above the culture. I, you know, I think we've got guys who are well-meaning, but instead they're, they're bringing themselves down to the level of the culture, thinking they're going to transform the area and they don't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think I think there's something to be said that God still blesses his word. He said, come up from among them, be separate, saith the Lord. And, uh, you know, we just have to realize that, you know, God, God wants us to have a holy work uh, that, that honors him at the same time while he grows it. Right. Well, I, I sure would, uh, want our folks to know how much I appreciate you and your friendship through the years. And I count you and your uh, my wife and I count you and your dear wife as dear friends and and uh, I encourage young men who are listening to develop strong friendships uh, with others. You may not see each other much, but, you know, when you see each other, it's, it's like you just picked up from the last time. And uh, part of that is because we, we carry some of the same burdens, have some of the same desires, pray for one another, and yes. have had the opportunity to encourage one another. And we sure appreciate you. And I want to thank you for being my guest um, for the last two weeks on Labors and the Harvest podcast. We want to thank our listeners today for joining us uh, for Labors in the Harvest. And it's been a joy to have as our guest, uh, Pastor Alan Fong, pastor of the Heritage Baptist Church in San Leandro, California. Hope that you'll join us again next week when we come back and we have a new guest who will be with us for this particular segment or a new segment of Labors in the Harvest. God bless you and we hope you have a great day.
Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. Thank you.